Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Three, two, one. Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live. We're streaming live on YouTube. We're also a little late. But of course, I am your host, Will. Skywalker still. Bear with me, man. Things got a little weird. Coming up today, it's Thursday. So we got Patrick No C Walker joining us. Of course, for the scientific method. Got a lot to talk about with Pat. But only so much time to talk about it with him. So stick around for that. Uh, we also are going to be previewing the Cowboys defense, looking to get back on track against this Chargers offense and the meat and potatoes of the show. But before that, before that, we gotta hit the roundup. And we gotta talk about the new addition. To the Dallas Cowboys, a guy that if you were if you were here back during the uh, offseason of the show, we brought him up frequently uh, all the way from about May till end of, of training camp, really. And fi- the Cowboys finally secured him. So we got to jump right into it, Cowboys Nation. Before we do that, Bomb Squad! got to shout out the Bomb Squad first, only right. And then we're going to jump into this roundup uh, so we can talk briefly about uh, the new addition at the linebacker spot, and then talk to Pat. Yes, talk to Pat at the top of the hour. So here we go. It's time for It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Let me talk to you. We don't want to. We don't want to hear from you, Fred. We don't want to hear from you. We want to talk about the Cowboys' new addition, one Rashawn Evans. So, yesterday, in light of the Leighton Van Der Esch injury, Dallas worked out. I think four linebackers. One, two, three, four. Two big names for me, at least. I don't know about the rest of the guys, but two big names for me. Brandon Smith, athletic freak out of Penn State. He got brought in. I uh, went on Twitter, and, and Rashad Evans, I went on Twitter, and I was like, she, I, I signed both of these dudes, right? Because the Cowboys don't have enough depth, I think, in that linebacker room. Nonetheless, they went with Rashad Evans, who is obviously more proven in this league, and a guy who I was a little bit, I was a little bit shocked that was still available um, all through the offseason, if we're being honest. All through the offseason. Now, at that time, when I was interested in Rashawn Evans, excuse me, it was because I was worried about this linebacker room being thin with experienced guys and heavily relying on the history, you know, late Van Der who has 
an injury history, who has a neck situation, right? And all it's going to take is one hit. Unfortunately, it was a kind of a dirty hit, but that's what happens. Here we are. Fast forward to week six. He's out missing games and the Cowboys suffered other linebacker injuries along with cutting players. And we're sitting here with really one off ball linebacker prior to signing Rashawn Evans on the 53 man roster. Well, they brought him in finally. And I had asked around why he was out there, right? Cause this, that's always a question. Why is so-and-so available on the trade block or, or in free agency? Um, what I was told was looking for the bag. He was looking for the bag in the offseason. It never came. He was coming off of a career year, um, 159 tackles, 46 stops, six tackles for loss. You know, he he was looking to get paid a little bit. He thought he'd return to Atlanta. Didn't happen. Um, he thought he'd get somewhere else during the offseason when, you know, injuries start to happen. Didn't happen. It wasn't until Nicobe Dean went down early in the season for the Eagles. The Eagles signed Rashawn Evans to the practice squad. But then... I don't know what the deal is with this, but he quickly requested his release and was granted his release out of Philly. So weeks later, Cowboys suffer injuries. And here is Rashawn Evans, your new linebacker, former first round pick out of Alabama. If you guys remember that 2018 draft, could have had Rashawn. Uh, Rashawn Evans was there, Fred Warner, those type of guys. And we got Lee Vanderish, right? Still young, 27 years old. He's a downhill Thumper type of dude. Not many times you say that about Cowboys linebackers of late, but he is that. He is a downhill guy. I wouldn't say he's much of a uh, pass cover type of guy, but again, he's been around the block. He's experienced. Um, and I think, I know it sounds weird to say a guy off the street, but I do think given some time, he could help mitigate the loss of LVE. And, and that's not to say that LVE was some amazing player, but again, you're talking about him being your only veteran linebacker in the room who was known all the signals, calling the plays, quarterback of the defense, and you don't have that anymore. Um, not saying Rashad's going to get the green dot, but he's going to be your most experienced linebacker in that room and essentially the new leader if he plays. Like I, look, he can get signed here and never play. But if he plays, you don't necessarily have to be an all-pro to be a leader, right? Like you, you, Hey, I've been around the block, Clark. You know, I've been around the block. Michael Jones, if he happens to play. Marquise Bell. He can help these young guys moving forward. And he has a different mentality than 55. So that'll be interesting to see. Middle of the season, you get a guy in here that kind of plays a little different than the guy you had before. Uh, but I, I walk him a downhill guy. And I'm very interested to see um, when he would be able to play. Because right now, again, there's two different discussions. 53 man, not 53 man. Right now, you've got two true, actually one, one true off-ball linebacker on the actual 53, and that's Damone Clark. You've got Bell masquerading as a linebacker. You know how I feel about that. Uh, you got Malik Jefferson on the practice squad, but I'd imagine they're going to have to sign him soon because you need to have more than one on the 53, and he only has one more call-up. And then Michael Jones was just signed last week to the practice squad as well. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get called up anytime soon. It may be because injuries, right? But we're going to talk to Pat here in a few because I'm very curious on what the Cowboys elect to do with Rashawn Evans early. And again, I, it's it's still kind of 
per per people close to the situation, but it, it, it looks like he's being signed. He spoke with Jordan Schultz, who who said that I'm signing with the Cowboys. And it's here's the thing, though. Here's the weird thing about it. It's Thursday, right? How fast can he get acclimated to play this week? If he doesn't play this week, you're rolling Damone Clark, Malik Jefferson, probably Micah. I'd imagine Micah's going to play a lot of linebacker in this game. Uh, and then Bell, do some linebacker things, too. Do you call up the kid, Michael Jones? You, here's the thing about linebacker. It ain't about just playing on, on defense. you got to play special teams. You have to play teams. And that's where you get a lot of your... Your team's guys, you know, the, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth linebacker, if you carry that many. I don't even think Dallas has six total, you know, let alone enough to to, to put out there on the field against a quality offense. So uh, I, I'd be interested to know if he's going to get called up here uh, to play, which, again, getting in Wednesday slash Thursday is probably better than getting in Saturday or, you know what I mean, before the game. So without further ado... Let's go ahead and turn the page and talk to my guy, Patrick Nosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com as soon as I align my button. <laughs> what's good, Pat? Yo, what's up, brother? How are you? Man, I'm doing good. Um, sucks the week that we're having in regards to coming off the L, but I, I am a little bit happy that they signed Rashawn Evans after the injuries that we've had lately for the Cowboys. So we were just talking about that there, Pat. And I hate to come in and, and, and right off the top rope ask you about this, but I am curious, man. Is Rashawn Evans the signing? First of all, is it complete, number one? And number two, do you think he'd be able to get some tick now, like early? Well, first of all, coming off the top ropes, that's what we do, right? Yeah. Tag team off the rope. Um but when it comes to Rashawn Evans, it's not finalized just yet. Um, they're still, you know, working out some particulars. And, I mean, it's expected to happen, but we'll see, you know, because until the pen hits the paper, <clears throat> Randy Gregory, um, you know, it's not done just yet. So, you know, that's the expectation. But when it comes to his potential, I mean, you know, wonderful potential as far as helping out a Cowboys linebacker unit that is likely going to you lose Leighton Van Der Esch for several weeks. He's expected to go on IR. Good news is is it's not expected to be season-ending IR, which is not, you know, the same as what's going on with C.J. Goodwin. Unfortunately, he's going to be lost for the season. But when you lose a guy like Leighton Van Der Esch, I mean, he's your green dot for those that don't know. That means he's the one who, who communicates the, the plays that, be, that are being called from Dan Quinn to the unit. He's the heart of the defense. And you know, when you look at his film this season, he's one of the main reasons that when the run defense is doing well, um, he's the one that's helping plug those gaps and, and play exceptional ball in that capacity. Even when the run defense doesn't play well, go back and look at the Cardinals game, for example, look at some of the plays against the 49ers, he was still doing his job. So that's a, a, a monumental loss for the Cowboys. But when uh, Rashawn Evans, I mean, you get a guy that has 67 career NFL starts in 76 games, I believe, uh, he started the entirety of the 2022 season uh, out in Atlanta. And, you know, question marks on why the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, dropped him off their practice squad. I mean, it's not like they're lacking for depth. So that's also 
uh, a possibility as well. They have, you know, the Kobe Dean likely coming back from IR here soon, if not as early as this week. So it could just have been a numbers game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Nonetheless, uh, their loss is hopefully the Cowboys game with Rashawn Evans. So unlike Michael Jones, who signed to the practice squad last week, I talked to Mike McCarthy about Michael Jones. Who? Mike Jones. And um, the energy he gave me back for Michael Jones was basically intimating that Jones is not ready to take the field just yet and that they want him to ramp up more. I don't suspect that would be a similar, I don't suspect that would be a similar issue with Rashawn Evans though, because Michael Jones, obviously he's a young guy. And when you're a young guy, as you know, you know, being dropped into a new system and having to pick that up, that takes a little bit of time. So that's kind of what McCarthy was was hinting strongly at, not that Jones doesn't have the ability, but that from a football acumen standpoint, this is a young guy dropped in a new system. He's put in the fire, give him a couple weeks or so. But you, you don't necessarily have that variable with Rashawn Evans. Yeah, it's, he's dropped in the fire. He has to pick up a new system. But, again, 67 starts. You know, this is going to be his third NFL team, if I'm not mistaken, former first-round pick out of Alabama. I mean, he knows how to play on the big stage. He knows how to adjust quickly. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get this deal finalized with him and or Brandon Smith, former guy of Penn State, which is a younger guy, which kind of puts him in the same template as Michael Jones. Like, would he be ready this soon? I don't know that he would. Rashawn Evans will have a great shot, though, but they got to get the deal done. And of course, we're we're we have to sign Rashawn Evans here because of the injury situation to Leighton Vander Esch and, and obviously to Marvion Overshone previously. And there was a couple other injuries that came out of that game that are, are a bit concerning. We know about C.J. Goodwin, uh, likely done for the season. Uh, but there's two other guys that that we're not quite sure on, and I'm hoping you can give us an update on. Uh, one, Kevante Turpin, uh, they said high ankle sprain, but didn't rule him out, and then obviously Donovan Wilson went down, but I've heard nothing about what's going on with him either. Uh, Kevontae Turpin, yeah, indeed it is a high ankle sprain. Uh, and, of course, when I heard that it was a high ankle sprain versus a low ankle sprain, I'm like, oh, Kevontae's probably lost through the bye week, which is next week. Um, but McCarthy says he, quote-unquote, has a chance to practice this week. I'm, I can appreciate that, and that is very um, positive news. I am pessimistic, though, when we're talking about a high ankle sprain on a guy that, you know, his entire skill set is predicated upon quickness, uh, ability to separate, and flat-out straight-line speed. So we'll see how it goes. Practice starts up today. Today is technically Wednesday for the Cowboys. Tomorrow's Thursday. Uh, We'll see how it goes. If he shows up limited, then that's definitely promising. If he's DNP, then it, it pretty much goes as I expect. I don't know that he'll be on the field against the Chargers, but... Uh, he has a chance. Like McCarthy said, he does have a chance. As far as Donovan Wilson, uh, there has been no news on, on that. And no news is good news, if you ask me, when it comes to uh, Donovan Wilson and that calf injury. Uh, I spoke with Donovan uh, after the loss on Sunday. Um, he, he sounded as good as you could expect, uh, given the ass-kicking that they had just taken. Um, but there was no limp. He wasn't in a boot. He wasn't, you know, in any kind of special device, wasn't on crutches or anything like that. So uh, had a couple conversations around the building, and I'm told there's, you know, no concern about Donovan Wilson. But injury report, the first one comes out today. Let's see if that holds true. But as it stands, I've not heard anything um, negative about Donovan Wilson, and I hope it stays that way. You know, on a positive from an injury report, if we could do a sidebar conversation here, you, you you did get your starting offensive line back, and they came out that game sounds like clean. So kind of wiping my forehead there because that was some little, you know, a couple guys haven't been nicked up with Zach Martin, Tyron, Tyron Smith, and Tyler Biotish. Uh, getting those guys out that game, which was a physical game, clean, 
maybe now we can start to see this offensive line kind of gel together. Yeah, Tyler Beatish got banged up just a little bit, but I'm told the team isn't concerned about it. Um, so he should be a go, even if he's limited on today's practice report and maybe even tomorrow. I, I don't suspect that they have any concern about his availability. So this should be the second straight week that they have their full front five, like you said. Um, last week, though, and I talked about this on Cowboys break yesterday, it was it was disjointed play. And you could tell that it was their first time in that configuration. And it was their first time as that front five in, you know, since Moses split the Red Sea. But, uh, I mean, just if you look at the the chemistry between Tyler Smith and, and Tyron Smith, it was a little bit off, uh, which makes sense. Again, they haven't played next to each other since training camp, and then that's training camp practice is not regular season, and then also not regular season against the 49ers front. So, it was just the perfect storm of bad, you know, scenarios that the Cowboys front had to kind of work their way through, and and they struggled. Uh, Tyron Smith, he struggled. Tyler Smith, he's having an exceptional year, but you know, in a couple reps, uh, he he was had. Tyler Beatish struggled a couple reps. Uh, I hate to say it, but even Zach Martin, exactly, this yeah. is how you know the day. Yeah, even this is how you know the day was just not going to go well for the Cowboys. There were times you go back and look at film and. Some of those pressures that came through the middle, they weren't Tyler or Tyler. They were Zach. Exactly. Uh, and that's when I had to sit back in my chair and, and kind of think, hey, well, damn, uh, that's where we are, I guess. And then Terrence Steele, he, he struggled as well, securing that right edge. So hopefully, um, you know, going into the second week of them playing together, obviously the more reps, the better you build that chemistry, you build that timing, you build that telepathy between yourself and the guy to the left and the right of you. Um, and reps will improve it. Uh, we don't know just yet if Joey Bosa is going to play. Uh, but regardless of if he does or if he does not, the Cowboys don't have the luxury of looking at it like that. They need to go out there, and that front five needs to be uh, everything the Cowboys know they can be because they need to bounce back and get this win. Yeah, speaking of bounce back and, and moving on to the Chargers, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't recall how many times both units just look absolutely putrid. Like, like it, was, it was just terrible all game for both of these these units. You had the offense, couldn't get anything together. Um, you, you had the second half, you know, obviously the game was over by that time, but three interceptions in a row from Dak. He didn't look comfortable. Uh, early on, I don't think it was it was terrible, but it still, it wasn't, we couldn't get anything going. No first downs, a bunch of three and outs, couldn't get the run game going, turn the ball over with, you know, fumbles. It was just putrid that side of the ball. Flip on the other side. They couldn't stop Brock Purdy or Kyle Shanahan's offense. So it was just as bad. And then obviously they got 42 hung on them, which was the most points scored on a Dan Quinn defense ever in the National Football League. I just don't recall that happening uh, many times uh, with this team. Now, going into this Chargers game, you know which unit do you think needs to bounce back more, the offense or the defense? The answer lies in, in the question itself. And, and I'll put it I'll put it this way because when you're talking about a 67 point um, different point differential swing from week four to week five from win to loss, that is the single largest point differential swing from a victory to a loss in the history of the Cowboys organization. Wow! Since 1960, that. that has never that has never happened. I went back and I dug and I dug and I dug and I, that has never happened. That's how bad that performance was. Now, when you go back and you dissect the performance question being which one's the, which one needs to bounce back more defense or offense the answer is defense and the reason I say that is because you asked me which one's which one needs to bounce back that's that intimates that 
that unit has already shown that they can perform at a very high, even a special level, and they just had another bad day, Mm -hmm. second bad day out of the past three weeks. But the offense doesn't need to bounce back. It needs to bounce, Mm -hmm. period. It needs to bounce forward, right? It it needs to happen because this offense – Right now, through five weeks, it's averaging uh, around 11 points per game as far as production is concerned. That's never going to cut it. And I I get what Mike McCarthy is trying to say when he makes comments like, you know, I'm playing to the strength of my defense. I see where you're trying to go with this, but the reality is is you need to play to the strengths of your offense and let the defense worry about the defense. Yes. Right? Play to the strengths of your offense, which is you have uh, a dynamic running back unit you have a dynamic uh, wide receiver unit. Yeah, your tight ends are trying to get things figured out, with the exception of Jake Ferguson, who has things figured out. But then Jake Ferguson was the only stable hand you had on Sunday. You target him three times. He catches the ball three times. Those are impact plays, and then you never throw him the ball again. You're not playing to the strengths of your offense. Brandon Cooks, you're not playing to the strengths of what Brandon Cooks is able to bring you, so forth and so on. So the defense needs to bounce back. That's the answer to your question. And when you look at what they're capable of doing, I believe that they have the better chance of doing it. Now, yeah, here they are. They're going up against another prolific offense, Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert and, and those guys. They're averaging under tw- just under 28 points a game. Let's just say 28 points a game. That's, uh, that's, that's a pretty big deal. And they're likely getting Austin Eckler back. That's uh, also a pretty big deal. And you lost Leighton Vanderish. That's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have their work cut out for them. And there's no other way to shake that. They have their work cut out for them. But um, in doing so, these are also this is also a unit full of dogs, and we've seen them respond time and again uh, when the chips are down. So let's see if they do it again. Offensively, though, like I said, there's no bounce back for them. They need to show that they can bounce forward. Period. Yeah, they need to and bounce. They, that needs to be effective, like right now. And. I th- one more thing before I get you out of here. Part of that, I think, is getting not just Cooks involved, because Cooks is criminal. I just think how they're using him is criminal. But we're starting to see a little bit of frustration, not a little bit, a lot of bit of frustration with C.D. Lamb. And Coach said he spoke with him, but no one seemed to uh, really dig into what that might have been about. But um, have you been able to gather anything else in regards to Lamb and, and Coach McCarthy's discussion or their usage? Because it's clear uh, he-, he needs the ball more. Jerry intimated he doesn't. Uh, but it seems like the staff and the players know he does. Yeah, just speaking with CD and speaking with some guys in the locker room and and some of the coaching staff, it's just it's frustration, which makes sense. It's just it's absolute frustration. If you're CD Lamb and you know you know what you're capable of, uh, I mean, pull the games out of the hat, whichever game you want to go. When recently you can look at the Jets game and he racks up only oh, almost 150 yards. You know what he can do when you get the ball in his hands. Now, this is a Cowboys offense that's still trying to figure itself out, uh, and it loves to spread the ball around, but the problem with spreading the ball around is when there's a problem spreading the ball around. So here's what I mean by that. It works until it doesn't. If the defense is taking that away from you, if the defense has negated two of those three receivers um, and and or your guys just are not getting separation, then maybe you need to look at wide receiver one and say, hey, you're going to have to be the one to carry this today. And you find you scheme ways to get him open, and you just keep targeting him until the defense then starts to shade his way, play more honest against those other guys, and then you can start spreading the ball around again more. So when it comes to CeeDee Lamb, I, I definitely understand his frustration. I know yeah. Mike McCarthy understands his frustration as well. fact of the matter is you got to figure out a way to get your playmakers 
the ball, and when it comes to who your WR1 is, there is no question about it. It is CeeDee Lamb. So, you know, when you look at uh, his production this season and how roller coaster it has been as far as he gets a lot of targets, he puts up over 140 yards and then not so many targets, and then, man, it goes up again, but then it's like it falls off again in, in San Francisco. I understand his frustration. That's, so that's basically yeah. what it is. He wants to be able to help impact games positively, but he can't do that if he's not being targeted. 100% agree, man. They got to figure that out because you can't have one of your best offensive weapons looked at as just a part of the – that's the problem, I think, with this offense right now. It seems like everybody is just a part of the offense as opposed to being featured. No offense worth its you know worth has a, uh, a a player of Lamb's caliber that's just a part of it. He needs to be featured in this offense weekly so that, as you said, defenses can now start shading towards him, and that's when other, everything else opens up, man. Absolutely. And think about it from this capacity. It's no different from what we saw, uh, what we've seen recently, um, I would say last year, particularly when the Vikings played the, uh, the Dan Quinn-led defense in the Cowboys. You saw that frustration from Justin Jefferson. You saw that frustration from him to Kirk Cousins and him on the sideline and him talking to the other coaches like, give me the ball, give me a good ball, let me, let me you know, make some plays in this game. When you have a, a, a wide receiver of that caliber and a wide receiver that also has that caliber of competitiveness, you got to get them involved. And the, the good news for the Cowboys is they have – that and Brandon Cooks as well, yeah. but you're you're not getting Brandon Cooks uh, the reps that or the targets that he needs to get to even be able to offset that. So you can't not do both things. Like one of those things has to occur. Either you're going to get Brandon Cooks off, um, mm-hmm. pause, or you're going to get uh, it's going to be a CD Lamb game. Um, but it can't not be both of those things. It just can't not. You have to use your biggest guns in a situation where you're at war with this team, the the best team in the NFC. And you're trying, and you're on their field in hostile territory in prime time with all the world watching, and you don't pull out the big guns. You, you got to start pulling out the big guns. Yeah, that's that was the most concerning thing for me. This was the week to pull everything out, and it looked like you you didn't even care to reach in the bag. So that was concerning, Pat. But um, and and ultimately, it and I'll say this, and then we'll wrap. Ultimately, that cost the defense and that's why i say i'm more confident that the defense can bounce back because you know it they kept the cowboys in the game for at least the first one in the half quarter so while the cowboys offense was stalling and stalling and stalling it was only a 7-0 game it was a 14-7 game but then you start to look at time of possession and it was just whoppingly in favor of the 49ers and i turned to nick harris who was sitting to the left of me and i said if this time of possession keeps up this is going to be a 50 burger mm-hmm. and he was like well, you know why do you say that and i was like this defense is going to get exhausted kyle is kyle shanahan's going to find some weak points the longer this defense is on the field and he's going to start exploiting them. And then all of a sudden the the sky started falling and that's exactly what happened. So the offense really has to help the defense. So my message to McCarthy would be simple in that, again, instead of uh, necessarily coaching to your defense as an offensive play caller, help your defense by coaching to the strengths of your offense so that they can be successful so that your defense can be rested so that when they take the field, they can do what they do man fantastic point man i want to touch on that a little bit before we get out of here i appreciate you though pat i know you got some other things you got to handle brother but once again another fantastic segment of scientific method uh enjoy the rest of your day bro yes sir you too bro patrick no see walker dallascowboys.com dropping the science as always i love that part at the end or not again we talked about it during the during the actual segment and then the end as well i hated those comments Honestly, 
from from Coach McCarthy saying, oh, I get it. We are a defense-driven team. That's fine. There's a way to complement your defense without nerfing your offense. There is 100% a way to do that. And I feel like he thinks he has to nerf the offense to play to a defense that, look, let's just be completely honest. This defense is not the Baltimore Ravens. Let's just get that out the way. It's not. We need to stop saying that. We probably should have stopped saying that a couple weeks ago. But uh, you, you cannot treat, in my opinion, you cannot treat that defense that way. And instead of, oh, we're going to coach and play towards the defense, how about you coach up your old, bro? And you're definitely not utilizing all the way. Like, there's no way you can tell me. Brandon Cook, C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard, uh, these skill players, uh, Rico Dowdle. I, I think Ferg is, is, a, is a good skill player, too. You can't tell me. You have these type of weapons, and you don't want to stretch those things thin. I'm stretching up. What can you do best? We're doing it at, at nauseam. What do you do best? We're doing it at nauseam, as opposed to, ah, we don't really need to go crazy. We got a good defense over here. Let's just one, two, three, get it out. If it's not there, dump it off. Like, that works from time to time within an offense game management. I'm fine with that. Like, if it's a game management situation, for instance, three out of the first four weeks or first three out of the first four games. You're blowing guys out. Man, we don't need to get crazy. But on prime time, against that team, that's that's what we're coming out get with. And then you say that after the fact. And don't tell me, oh, well, we can't do it. I mean, we've 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 aired, and I'm not saying we got to air it out, Cowboys Nation. I ain't saying we got to throw 45 times. But we've been a vertical offense before. I, I thought we were keeping some of that stuff. Right, we've been that. We've seen Dak be able to throw it deep, and he's been one of the best deep ball throwers. Even this year, not going deep that much, he still has one of the top completion percentage because we're not throwing deep that much. So you you gotta stop being scary, man. Um, and and if you gotta live with a couple situations where it gets hairy, intermediate or deep, then it is what it is. Uh, but you you can't do this because you're going to run into decent defenses or good defenses. Uh, I don't necessarily think the Chargers defense is like that, but to get where you got to get to, you're going to run into defenses that say, this is what you're going to play. Oh, we'll shut that down. So I, I agree with you there, Pat. 100%. But this is about Cowboys defense going against the Chargers offense today. And Coach Dan Quinn, you could tell he was defeated. You could, now I say you were defeated. He was it sucked for Dan Quinn when he came out. Usually he comes out, he has this energy, you know, his opening monologues are, are really fun. But Dan Quinn pretty much was, and I have fight or flight here, but he meant, basically said when you're in a fight, either you can quiver essentially or you can get ready to fight back. And I agree. Like, you, you, you look, you got your ass kicked. You got whooped. But you can't sit down there and pout all day. You got to get up and get ready because you got another good team coming in here, good offense at least coming in here that you got to get prepared for. But here's Dan Quinn uh, briefly speaking about that. When you get your ass kicked, you know, you really got, you know, a couple choices in a fight, you know. You pout about it or you, you get, get back. back up and you say bring it on and you get rocking again. And I certainly know that's what we're going to do. There's no finger pointing with our group. In fact, um, you see the fingers pointing in the direction that we need to do. Hey, let's work this, let's work that. And uh, I admire that about our group. I've, I've been on the teams where it goes the other way, where there's finger pointing and blame, and that's certainly not this group. So uh, we're extremely disappointed, uh, but I also know what we're made of, and uh, we're not going to let this game uh, you know, beat us twice. We've got a very good Charger team uh, on the way, and we'll get right back. We've got plenty of things to work on and uh, get ready to get rocking again. Not going to let this game beat us twice. Well, let me tell you, Dan Quinn, 
our fan base, it beat us upside the head 17 times. I say us. I don't really mean me. I mean y'all. It beat them upside the head 17 times. So I wish they took the same mantra you did, but that's not the case. You cannot let this game beat you twice. So let's look at this Chargers offense. They got some good skill players. They got some good uh, guys returning. Uh, they also lost one of my favorite receivers in the league in Mike Williams. But in general, this is an offensive scheme we should be very familiar with. When you watch the tape, they are doing the same, obviously, right? It's it's it's, it's Kellen's scheme. They're doing the same things the Cowboys were doing uh, when Kellen Moore was here. But he has them as a top 10 offense, which to me is not a surprise. We talked about this in the offseason. That's a obviously a damn good quarterback over there, one of the best. And damn good skill players. Now, they lost a couple throughout the season, uh, but one is coming back in Austin Eckler. Rashawn Slater is fantastic. He, he's one of the best le- le- best left tackles in the league. Austin Eckler is a guy. He, he's a, an underrated, uh, in my opinion, underrated. Now, I know he's trying to get more money. Running back, one of the better dual threat dudes. He'll be returning. Josh Palmer, he's pretty underrated as well. Um, he's the one filling in for... Mike Williams. Uh, they like those physical big wide receivers. He's uh, He's got this offense. He has in Kellen's got this offense 7th in scoring, 5th in yards, 8th in yards per play, 17 to 3rd down conversion, but 5th in red zone. So, top 10 offense. And it runs through Keenan. And I'll get to that in a second. But early on in the season, you saw some of the things that plagued us over the years, which was finishing games when you had the chance, and that's why they're two and two in my opinion, not three and one or four and zero. Uh, they had opportunity in Miami, win the ball game, had to kick a field goal, and then they punt it to get the ball back to Miami. They win the ball game against the Titans. You need to get in field goal range. They end up going three and out. The route combinations look weird, were strange. Third down calls, players look lost. They lose the ball game. Start off the season zero and two. Big yards, big plays, numbers. Everything looks hunky-dory, but it was the situational things that really made things difficult. But they got a nice bounce-back game against the Vikings defense, which is putrid, probably the worst in the league. And they got a dub there. That was a little shaky as well, not necessarily from their end, but just the finish of the game for their defense. But they got the pickoff of uh, Kirk Cousins. Boom. They get on the board. Then they get to Oakland. and Or, I keep saying Oakland. Las Vegas. And that was a... Strange game when you go back and watch it. Uh, Aiden O'Connell was a quarterback for for the Raiders. He basically just said, here, have the game by fumbling a bunch of times. Uh, And that was a game six sacks from Khalil Mack. So we talked about that yesterday. Nonetheless, they got up to a decent lead. The Raiders kind of fight back a little bit. That was one of the games where you saw the passing offense not be as sharp. But it doesn't really matter because they were able to get the victory. But like I was saying, this offense goes through Keenan Allen. Like, obviously, Herbert's the guy. We'll get into Herbert here in a second. But who they run this thing through has been Keenan Allen. Now, Austin Eckler will be back, so that'll be interesting to see how that shifts. But he they spammed Keenan Allen the first three weeks. He had 39 targets in the first three weeks of the season. 20. 20 against the Minnesota Vikings. And they are basically using him the same way that the Cowboy you, Cowboys used C.D. Lamb last year. He's morphed into a primary slot-wide receiver over the last couple seasons. Uh, but Moore's moving him around. He's, he's mostly slot still, but he's 
pre-snap motion. They're kind of getting him in some orbit stuff. I seen him lined up in the backfield. Seen him up in the backfield. Now, the Raiders were able to do a decent job against him. Coming off that 200-yard performance he had against the Vikings, the Raiders were able to do some good things against him. He still got a touchdown, but he only had 32 yards in that game, and they did some of those same things in regards to movement. And I kind of want to show you a few plays of what I mean by how they're utilizing Keenan Allen. And this is why I think he's the – if you can nerf Keenan Allen, you've got a shot, and they're going to try to spam him. 100% 100% they're going to try to spam Keenan Allen. But I'm um, mark Keenan Allen every time we show a play here, and he's likely going to be in the slot. But this play should look familiar to you, but I'll let it run a little bit more. And they actually missed him. There's the orbit motion. Put him in the slot. We're going to fake the screen. That's going to bring everybody down here, and you're going to get Keenan Allen wide open at the top of the screen here. But what's the name? Missed him. Got it out to, I believe, Palmer. And they didn't get the first down. Actually, that was Everett. Once again, okay, it didn't work the first time. Let's figure out a way to get Keenan Allen open. That's what they really do. Like, Keenan Allen is getting open via schematics for the most part and just route savviness. Same, similar situation. We want to get Keenan Allen running into two screens, not one, but two. Here's the first one. I don't know if you can see it. Yep, you can see it. Here's the first one. Then we're going to run him into a second one. And we're going to get Keenan Allen wide open down the sideline, which ended up being the biggest catch. That play looked familiar. I bet it does. (laughs) Ran the same play week one. Ain't seen it since. But ran the same play week one. Put CeeDee Lamb in a slot. There's your first kind of screen slash pick. There's your second screen pick, rub, whatever you want to call it. Wide open down the scene. So we've seen this before. Because we run this, but we don't run it at the the same rate that they do. In fact, like I said, they ran that play two times in that game, and they've been running it all year. So they're going to try to get Keenan Allen loose. And I'll tell you why I think they're actually trying to get him loose a little bit in this manner. But also, Keenan Allen is slot. I just love this concept, honestly. It's a double slant, but the way they do it is interesting. You got the inside guy here, I think, is Everett, the tight end. He's going to actually run the clear. But what makes Keenan Allen tough in situations like this, is his route savviness. He's not going to fire off the ball. He's going to take his time off the ball, get into the route, allow. You see how he's kind of just chopping his feet a little bit here, just taking his time. He's allowing Everett to get upfield to push this guy and make this this defender here have to decide, am I going to cut under, which he doesn't, or go over the top? He does neither. He actually follows Everett thinking that this was going to get passed off, and you just get Keenan Allen wide open. And if you run it back, it's essentially – a double slant, it just doesn't look like a normal double slant. I mean, just a great concept, get some wide open touchdown. Now, some of the things and ways that they combated this was once they found out, okay, we're just going to spam Keenan now. Well, we're going to put three guys on. <laughs> and that's exactly what Las Vegas did. Now you got this kind of triangle defense, one and three, was calling basketball, and uh, nowhere to go. Justin Herbert scrambles, gets rid of the ball, incomplete pass. So, you know, once you figure out what to do against Keenan, um, you, there's some things that can work. However, because of what I, I – you'll see the nickname I'm giving Justin Herbert. But because Justin Herbert likes to push the ball down the field, he'll miss something like this where Keenan Allen goes in motion. Now, again, getting him open, right? We're going to stack him, pre-snap motion, stack him. You can't get your hands on Keenan Allen. And he's really wide open from the jump here. But – 
Herbert's a guy that wants to push the rock. It just is what it is. So doesn't see Keenan Allen scrambles. And eventually he's going to throw his, uh, an interception here. And once we get down to breaking Justin Herbert, these are available a lot more than you think, but you have to take advantage of it. Again, from this angle, you'll see Keenan Allen breaks open right here underneath, but that's really not what Justin Herbert wants to do. He wants to push that ball downfield. He can make off-platform throws because he has the arm, but didn't work out for you here. And then there's one more play in this game where you saw them, and when I say them, I mean the Raiders, pay more attention to Keenan Allen. But this is honestly more so just good coverage by 21 and kind of what I mean by what I'm about to say here. I think Keenan Allen is fantastic. Fantastic player. But I also think that you can man up against him a little bit more this year because you're starting to see him age a little bit, right? And that is no slouch. That's no knock, I mean, on Keenan Allen. It's just that, hey, father time wins. So you got to figure out how to win differently. Think Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald was able to play for 25,000 years in this league because once his athleticism kind of went by the wayside, he still was able to beat you with the mental aspect of the game, with the with his uh, football IQ. And that's where Keenan and getting him open in these ways and allowing him to use his vision um, in these route concepts work. And that's why he's been highly productive, one of the best receivers productive production-wise in the league so far. But I think you can absolutely man up against him if you've got corners to do it, and I think the Cowboys do. You just have to be careful and as we showed a lot of those pick and rub routes where you can get caught and you can get you know hurt with some uh, deep deep plays in that case. But if I'm going to do a lot of zone in this game, first of all, I think you need to mix it up. I don't I don't I don't think you do pure zone because if you don't get home, somebody's going to be opening these holes in the zone. However, you can get home because they're going to hold the ball a little bit longer to try to get these big plays. And that's where Justin Herbert comes in. It is clear when you watch Justin Herbert he don't really give a damn about what's underneath he's trying to push that rock that's why I call him the pusher man yes indeed look Herbert we talked about this when we did our we ranked our top 10 quarterbacks the Cowboys are going to be facing uh I believe him and Josh Allen were touching tags they were I think the top two quarterbacks we talked about here for good reason right Justin Herbert when you decide to make a quarterback in the lab that's the quarterback <laughs> big arm athleticism uh can throw off platform accurate that's the quarterback that you make in the lab right from a talent standpoint however sometimes what happens when you have that arm arrogance is you're going to take a few more chances and that's that's just the nature of the beast and that's why you see his turnover worthy play percentage higher than it's been before it's actually the highest of his career and so is the sack rate which is three percent higher than it was last year because we want to make them big plays he's averaging 9.1 yards per a dot or a dot which is average depth of target right that's the highest of his career and almost a full yard and some change higher he's fifth in 20 yard attempts and that's with missing a game right because they had a bye week think about that for a second he's fifth in 20 yard attempts um, only an 83 rating when doing so an 18th in completion percentage, but the idea of that, the fact that he's going to go deep has to weigh on you when you're going up against him. Where I think most teams get lucky in this, in this fashion is that 
they don't have the blazer. Now, I don't know where Jalen Guyton is. I remember he was there for a while. But they don't they don't have the huge home run hitter. Keenan Allen's not going to blow by you in that manner. Mike Williams was a big body. And honestly, I think they miss him a little bit here because he was a guy to get the ball to right now and he was physical. Uh, Palmer's not going to just blaze by you. Neither is Johnston. So what happens is you get a lot of contested throws, a whole lot of contested throws going deep. And you just have to be able to make plays on the ball um, and not allow big body wide receivers to make plays on you. That's why I think you see him already have half as many turnover worthy plays this year as he's had all 17 games last year, because I don't think he has a crazy separator deep downfield. He has a separator in regards to Keenan Allen, right? Keenan Allen can get busy underneath, but he a pusher man. Herbert trying to push that rock downfield. What else on Justin Herbert? Play is never over with this dude, man. I was watching that same uh, Raiders game, right? And there's a play, if you guys remember, Matthias Kiwanuka and Vince Young. It was a play years ago, right around when teams or the league started to, you know, enforce the quarterback late hit, whatever rule, right? Hitting them too hard to the ground. And Matthias Kiwanuka... Grab Vince Young and let him go. Didn't want the flag. Vince Young ended up making a play first down. They go down to win the game. Same thing happened with Justin Herbert. Number five has a clean shot on Justin Herbert. Could have been a sack fumble. Could have laid his ass out. But he hugged him. Let him go. Let the pusher man roll out the pocket. And he completed a first down pass. So the play is never over with this guy. Even if he gets pressure, he's, he's going to run. He's going to scramble. And he's still going to try to launch that thing deep. He don't give a damn if he's got a burner or not. So do, I know this sounds cliche. Hey, you got to play through the whistle. No, seriously, you need to play through the whistle when you're dealing with the pusher man. Another thing I noticed, and again, this is, this is with arm arrogance because you can do this. He wants to move you with his eyes always, 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 always. And he don't give a damn what's happening opposite of what he's not looking at. He might peek. Soon as the ball snap, he might peek there, but he's trying to move you with your eyes, as good quarterbacks do. And soon as that back foot hits on that on that drop back, he is firing oppo. It doesn't matter what's going on; he's trusting his wide receiver to be where he needs to be, and he's firing. Uh, a lot of times, that's going to be successful. Sometimes, incomplete pass, but it doesn't matter. So, if you're one of those vision type of defenses, or if you're playing vision ball as a cornerback, don't get duped by his eyes. You really need to be worried about your man because he'll hit that back foot and he will fire a deep out for maybe, you know, 15 yards or so. So this is just a a complete quarterback from a, like I said, made in a lab standpoint. And it's a scheme that, you know, for the most part, we all believe he was going to be able to have some success in. And and that's what he's, he's having some success in it. You're fortunate, I think, that they don't have Mike Williams. Uh, because he was a guy that gave us a little trouble a couple years ago against Justin Herbert. If you guys remember, Cowboys have faced Justin Herbert uh, a few years ago, played decent against him, uh, a couple interceptions, should have been three uh, or two, whatever it was that game, but you had Diggs. This would be a great game to have a Diggs, I think, because I think he'd be able to match up well against these kind of physical wide receivers. They're not. He, he would have been able to sit on some things because he's not worried about getting beat deep. Now, Allen got his ass on one play. Uh, I think a couple, but he also got 
Allen as well in that game with an interception. So I don't think this is some mismatch schematically or from a uh, man-to-man standpoint. But when you go up against two other offenses, right, and they've had success against you, it does make you say, hey, look, man, look, I don't give a damn mismatch or not. You've got to go out there and, you, and you've got to rebound. you got to bounce back. And then there's going to be that added edge that Kellen's going to want. Hey, look, I ain't there no more. I, you know, Y'all talk bad on me. I want to go out here and I want to try to prove to you that I'm going to drop 50 on you or some type of situation. Now, I might play in your favor because we've, we've seen games where Kellen want to air this thing out and, 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 and it's not working well for you. But I actually, I'd walk them an unbalanced situation, to be honest. Um, when teams are balanced against the Cowboys, that means they're staying in front of the chains. That that means your linebackers and your safeties are biting on a bunch of play action. Uh, that means there's going to be gaps and in, in, in lanes and windows behind that second level for easy completion. So, And they run a lot out of shotgun. And we didn't even get to the run game. They're going to run a lot out of shotgun. Uh, Josh Kelly is a, another one of those underrated guys. Reminds me of Rico a little bit more of the physical presence that that supplements Eckler, who's back. Which is this is going to be interesting because the first game of the year, they ran for like two hundred something yards, like they went off on the ground. But since then, they really haven't been a, a quality running team. But that could be because Eckler's not there. So without Mike Williams. I'd imagine they're going to lean heavy on Austin Eckler underneath and run the ball and then try to get the rock to Keenan Allen. And when I, I mean that de- deliberately, they are going to spam Keenan Allen unless you take him away. And that's kind of how I would plan this thing. I would plan to take him away because I don't think Josh Palmer and Johnston can beat you individually the way that a Keenan Allen can or an Austin Eckler. Um, and you just play Christian McCaffrey. You did well against Christian McCaffrey. It wasn't McCaffrey that got you, right? It was, honestly, it was a pass game that got you. You couldn't get any pressure on Brock Purdy. He got the ball out in like 2.2 seconds. Don't think that's going to happen with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's not getting rid of the ball in 2.2 seconds. He's going to allow these routes to develop. Kellen's going to draw up these vertical routes. You just need to be ready for him, and he's going to take his shots. You need. This is almost an identical in regards to Herbert. Not everybody was here a few years ago, but anybody that was almost an identical breakdown of the quarterback from two years ago. Big arm, talented kid, going to take shots. You have to be ready. He's going to throw in a lot of contested windows. He don't give a damn about tight windows. He's going to throw and give his guys a shot because they have size. You've got to be ready to make plays on the ball. I could see this being a Deron Bland game. Um, he, we know how he is on against the ball. When the ball's in his area, he's trying to take it. And he's going to get, I'd imagine, if I had to put a number on it, three to four opportunities. Not saying those are going to be turnover-worthy plays, but three or four opportunities to make a play on the ball because Justin Herbert is going to say, I don't care that you're covered. <laughs> I've seen him throw to dudes covered, and you say, but you're like, oh, he's 6'4". Oh, he's 6'2". Oh, he's 6'3". He's just giving his big guys a shot. Uh, and I, I think that's why you see his completion percentage low when it comes to deep shots, because he just doesn't care. I'm just throw it up and we'll see what happens down there. So that's the um, Chargers offense against the Cowboys defense. They got to bounce back, man. We talked to, we just talked to uh, Pat 
And I agree with Pat. I, I agree 100% with him that this is the unit I think that needs to bounce back, especially if, if the Cowboys are going to go along this season and be all, hey, we're going to ride the defense and, and the offense going to play off of it, then you need your defense to, to bounce back and become an elite defense. It's I can't call you an elite defense if every time you run up against an offense that has a decent scheme and some skilled players, you get beat the way you get beat. So I, I can't call you that. I can't even call him elite. It's not it's not a bad defense, but I can't call you elite defense until you're able to go put up and, and, and shut up or shut out or do well against elite offenses. So they have to bounce back, and then the Cowboys offense just has to bounce. I love how you said that. They just got to bounce. All right, enough of me talking. Let me go see where we at here. Boom, boom. Doom, 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 doom. Dun. All right. Yeah, I think there was two. Uh, uh, looking at Super Chats here. D-Webb, you dropped one yesterday on the way out. I didn't get a chance to get to. Appreciate you. Super Chat. He said, you got a new fan, bro. Keep doing your thing. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, and then John, not Michael Phillips. Super Chat. He dropped 10 and said, we're so depleted at linebacker that it's time for Parsons to move back to linebacker. Uh, this will free him up to make more tackles in the run game and protect him from constant double teams and chip blocks. John Phelps, you're speaking to the choir, man. You're speaking to the choir. Uh, I didn't gave up on that dream until this this recent injury to um, Leighton Vander Esch. I gave up on that dream. I, I thought that y'all know how I feel about Michael or Michael about Micah Parsons. I think he can be much better, uh, more versatile. Let me say that more versatile. As a backer that comes down and rushes as a passer when needed, as opposed to just constantly being on the edge, whether it be left or right or in the middle. So, at least for this game, I don't know if Rashad Evans is going to be available. Maybe he's available for special teams. Maybe he's available for depth. But for this game, I'd like to see Micah in the middle. And yes, I use that as a pun because I did it before. I'd like to see Micah in the middle. Use that athleticism to get sideline to sideline, get downhill, right? Show Clark. This is how you get downhill, bro. All this patty cake, patty cake bakers, man. Nah, get downhill and make some plays at and beyond the line of scrimmage. And then, oh, we got him in second alone. We got him in third alone. And then you unleash him on Will Clapp or you unleash him on the right tackle who Max Crosby had a really good game, almost dominating type of game against this offensive line. What you don't do. You don't say, I'm going to prove a point. I'm going to put Micah Parsons on Rashawn Slater all game. I'm going to prove a point. I'm going to put Micah Parsons on Trent Williams all game or a third, three third, two-thirds of the game. You don't do that. You use your versatile guy in a versatile way, and I think that you'll get some, some you get more production out of him. And that's crazy to say. What do you mean more production? He's productive the first three games, sure. But against these offenses that are going to game plan against him, that have the scheme or the players to do it, you've got to combat that. You've now got to uh, make that necessary change. And we saw Michael Parsons make a few plays at the back position against the Niners, but game out of reach at that point. But nonetheless, he can do it. I know if Micah's in the middle, Michael Parsons can be a top-tier middle linebacker in this game. You just have to give him a chance to do it. I, you could tell him to play safety or corner or running back. It don't matter. I think he'd be elite at it. But – this is defense, and he can he can definitely play at that second level at a high level and then rush the passer. And that'll do it for the Super Chats. All right, so 
No show later for Mo. Uh, I'm not for Mo, for Vosh Lombardi Live, but he will have a video dropping with Rome, so we won't be on live. We'll be back tomorrow, though, to wrap up this coverage for Chargers Cowboys. I'll be back uh, tomorrow as well. Mo will be on later tonight, and we'll basically break down the key matchups to this game. We didn't really get into key matchups. We just kind of broke down what the Chargers offense is, what the Chargers defense is, but we'll get into the three key matchups. I think you need to get this victory. Hey, maybe it's not a player. Maybe it's not a player. Maybe it's a coach. With that said, me and the push man going to get up out of here. I'm going to go ahead and press this button. Push the goddamn button. Push the goddamn button. If you miss scientific method, we'll run this thing back, I think, later today. Actually, no, Saturday. I think Saturday is when they usually drop it. Or you can just run back the show, but that's up to you. But nonetheless, make sure y'all check into that and tap into uh, Pat's Scientific Lab or the Science Lab later on.com. You got it. Peace.